So Hosea, Hosea chapter 14. So let's go read this chapter. Like I said, I'm, I will get through this today unless I uh, pass out while I'm up here. So Hosea 14, we've got all the way up to here. And again, we're just going to kind of wrap it up a little bit. It says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. So what does iniquity mean? Sin. Sin. Okay. And it says, verse 2, Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless find mercy. Verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return, and they shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and have observed him, and I am like a green fir tree. For me is thy fruit found. Verse 9, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things, prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressor shall fall therein. Alright, so that is the last chapter and verses of Hosea. So again, in your handout, everybody have a handout. Basically, I want to look at three things today. God's plea for Israel, which we're going to see in verses 1 through 3. And this is what a good heavenly father that we have. This is his plea for Israel. And then uh, from verses 4 to 8, we have God's plan for Israel. This is what God will do for them if they repent. And then number three is God's faithful view, faithful few, the righteous, verse 9. And this is, this is basically God's prudent people. So it's God's plea for Israel, God's plan for Israel, and God's prudent people. I thought of that prudent too late last night, so I didn't get it in my handout. So, so here it is. So uh, that's basically what we're going to look at in this last chapter. And again... What is the main theme of the book of Hosea? What's going to happen to Israel? They're going to be restored. They will be restored. And um, even in the book of Romans, it talks about the nation of Israel is going to be restored. Okay? And so that's the theme, even though they're worshiping idols and bowing down and kissing calves. And we see a reference to that in uh, verse 1. It says, we will render the calves of our lips. In other words, we're going to stop doing that. So um, the, we're going to wrap up with that in the back of our mind. It's like Israel will, be return, will return and be restored. So number one, God wants them to return unto him. So he says to open your mouth, mouth goes in there, and repent. 
Because verse 2 says, take with you words and turn to the Lord. So number one, to, to get your words out, you got to open your mouth. And then to turn means to what? Means to repent. That's really what repent means. When you hear people go, well, you have to repent to be saved. Well, what's your definition of repent? Repent means to to turn and change your ways. So when you accept Christ as your Savior, you need to turn to Christ. That doesn't mean you have to walk squeaky, sinless clean to be saved, which some people try to point out and say, oh, you need to repent and it needs to show in your life. Well, it does need to show in our life, but you know, maybe you need to turn from your ways. Okay, so when you say that when, when a 10-year-old uh, person gets saved and a 30-year-old person gets saved, it should be different because number one, with the 10-year-old child, his ways should change, but you're not going to see it like the 30-year-old. The 30-year-old is just, you see it in the, in the way he lives his life, and so it's going to be a major change for the 30-year-old. 10-year-old, not so much, because he's not living the sinful lifestyle as much as, as the 30-year-old. You get my, my drift here? Do you feel me? That's what, isn't that what Alan Shelby says, do you feel me? That's kind of funny, but okay. <laughs> uh, it's that's funny, Carrie. I was watching a show last night, and this guy says this, and I go, yeah, that's what they say, they feel me. Um, so God says to his people, he says, return unto me. Open your mouth and repent. Use words. And then it says, um, uh, let's look at it. It says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity, thine sin. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord, and say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So not only does God want you to return to Him, how do you do that? With your mouth and then with your actions. Because number three says on our handout, says turn to Him, you've got to use action. Now, we know a lot of Christians that, that, that talk the talk, but they don't walk the talk. Right? So God doesn't want the Christian that that does not walk the talk. You got to say it, but you got to do it. Okay? Because God's watching you. Because if you're not, if you're only talking the talk, you're really not repenting or turning to the Lord, are you? Uh, you've got, you got to have your actions back up what your mouth says. And that's what he tells them. He says, I, you guys need to, you need to return unto me. You need to, to, to turn. You've got to use words and you've got to take action. He basically is saying, guys, Israel, come back to me and show me that you're, you're, you're wanting to come back. Okay. And so this time period here is basically Hosea's day all the way up until the rapture. The sad part is the Jewish people do not take him up on this. So from Hosea, which is about 700 B.C., all the way up till today and all the way up to the, to the, to the tribulation, midway through, the Jews have not repented and they have not turned back. Because even today, in the nation of Israel, they don't even believe the Bible, most of them. 
There are some that do, but very, very few. And so they have not returned unto the Lord yet. And they won't until the tribulation, until the Antichrist sits on that throne. And you got Moses and Elijah there. Now, I don't know, I've thought about this. What does it take for the group of, and not just an individual, I mean in a group setting, okay, the nation of Israel will be reborn again in a day in that tribulation period when as a group, as a corporate setting, they realize that the Antichrist is not the anti I mean, that the Antichrist is the Antichrist because they're going to think he's Christ until he sits on the throne. So what is it that wakes them up? What do you think? Have you ever thought about that? What is it that's going to wake them up since 700... B.C., they haven't woken up yet. So what is it then that's going to wake them up to realize they need to get back, turn back to God and this, this uh, I want to say person, this person on the throne then is not Christ. What is it that's going to get them to get to that point? The fact that he sits on the throne, the fact that he says he's God, the fact that Moses and Elijah is there saying, no, this isn't God. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But something will wake them up in the trib and they'll realize it. But here's what he's telling them all the way through this time period. The same thing that he tells the people in Hosea, return unto me. Return unto God. He says, put your faith back in me. Okay? But sadly is... Historically, they do not do this. And so this reminds me of a story in the New Testament where there's a person that comes to their senses and they come back to their father. Does that remind you of any stories in the New Testament? The prodigal son. So, you know, a lot of times we'll use that story, the prodigal son, as it's applying to a Christian. Well... That much it's applying to Israel. That much it's applying to the church age. So technically we're kind of, you know, the Bible's in three applications, right? Every, every verse in the Bible has three different applications. It has a historical application. We're talking about the Jews. We're talking about them specifically in Hosea all the way to the end. We're also, but then it also has a prophetical application. Okay, Revelation, Tribulation, that's it. Okay. Then it has an inspirational application. What can we draw from that? Now that will fit into the church age. Yes. But technically, when you're looking at it, we're talking about the nation of Israel. The prodigal son in that story is really not a Christian. It's the nation of Israel. And, how do, and you go, well, okay, Bob, so how, how do you know that? Well, number one, it's in the book of Luke. The book of Luke is not a church age uh, uh, book. It's a Jewish book, okay? Number two, um, not, only, not only that is, but in that story with the prodigal son, um, the, bi- uh, the father sees the son as basically being dead and coming back. As a Christian, I can't die. As a Christian, you can't die. You can walk away from God, but you're still a Christ. You're still saved, Right? We can walk away from God and come back, but technically we, we didn't die and we're still a son. And so, 
and even though he was, but my point is the prodigal son is really a picture of the nation of Israel. So when we read that story, we can apply some of the truths to us, but it's, again, remember, it's talking about Israel. Okay, And we're talking about the same people here uh, with Hosea. So he says, turn back to me. And uh, we see that in the book of Luke. But to Israel, this is a, again, Luke is a Jewish book. Inspirationally, it might fit with us. But again, we're talking to the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And he's saying, return to me. And the sad part is that will not happen until the tribulation. Okay. So... Number two on your handout, it says God's plan for Israel, verses 4 to 8. This is God restoring them as a nation. So he wants to nurture them. And number one on your handout, it says, I will heal them. Okay, so heal goes in your blank. Verse 4 actually says, I will heal they're backsliding. Now, exactly what... How are they backsliding? How has Israel been backsliding? They turned their back on God. They've been worshiping false gods. They've been worshiping those two stupid golden calves and falling down and kissing them. I mean, how sick is that? And so they've went completely that way. And God says, I'm going to heal them. And here's what He means by healing them. He's going to take away their desire to backslide, he's going to take away their desire to sin. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to look forward to the fact that I'm not going to sin anymore. Yeah. Well, that's what he does with Israel here and will do to them. He's going to take away their desire to even want to sin. Okay? Now, when after, after the captivity of of the southern tribes when they went to Babylon and then when they came back under Ezra, I don't know, I would imagine some of these people in the northern tribes also came back because they were kind of in that same kingdom, came back to Israel. They didn't worship idols. Today, they don't worship idols. And so that captivity kind of fixed that problem with the Jews. They, they didn't go back to putting statues and idols up again. You know, the Catholic Church does that, but they don't do that. The Jews don't do that today. And so that fixed that problem, but it didn't fix the sin problem. But God is going to fix their sin problem at this time. He will do that. He's going to fix it to where they don't want to sin and they don't want to backslide. Because that's been their problem from day one. Okay? And then he says, I'm going to love them freely. I will be as the dew." Another similitude it talks about. And he says, I will help them grow and I'm going to make them fruitful. So God's plan for Israel is to uh, turn them back into a nation that serves him. And so he's basically in this passage, he is going to uh, regraft them back in. Remember our Bible says that he's going to grab, that the church is in the spot because Israel rejected him and we, we were a wild olive branch and he grafted us in. And, but he goes, there's going to be a time when God grabs the real tree back in. And that's the time it's going to happen. And so we can see that in Romans chapter 11, 23, that God is not done with Israel. He's going to bring them back. Okay. 
And then he says, I'm going to help them grow and I'm going to make them fruitful. And, you know, it reminds me of some other stories in the, in the New Testament. In the book of John, Jesus, in fact, let's turn there. John 15. Yeah. So let's go there and look at that. John chapter 15 says, Wait till everybody gets there. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. And verse 5 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So, back in Hosea, and let's go back and kind of read the passage again. He says, verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. He's going to, he's going to take away the, he's going to make it to where they don't want to sin again, or, or they won't sin. He goes, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from me. I will be as the dew unto Israel, and he shall grow as the lily, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread. Talking about, Israel, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree. So that's where he gets grafted back in, or I mean, or he comes back to life here. And his smell is Lebanon, and they that dwell under his shadow shall return, and they shall uh, revive as the corn, and grow as the vine, and the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Okay? Verse 8, Ephraim shall say, What have I do to do any more with the idols? I have heard him. And I have observed him. Now, who's the him there in that passage? It's Jesus. It says, so let's read this again. Ephraim. And who's Ephraim? Israel. The northern tribes shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard Jesus and observed Jesus. And then you have a colon and the context changes and it goes to Jesus talking here. It goes, I am like a green fir tree. And from me is thy fruit found. So they realize who Jesus is and God's going to help them to grow and he's going to help them to be fruitful and they cannot be fruitful unless they are in Christ. Their Messiah. Okay? So he is, he's our Savior, but he is their Messiah. Okay? So Jesus is the vine. They cannot produce fruit unless they are in him. Same thing for a Christian. We can't produce fruit unless we are in Him. The Old Testament nation of Israel is the same way. Okay, So if we go through this, we need to realize when, when, when Christians get this attitude that God's done with Israel and it's all about them, and they are now the bag of chips, they are totally off base because it's both. God's people are both the Jews and His church. They both may have different roles. They both have some different promises. One is spiritual, one is physical. But basically, God loves them. And they get a lot of the same things. And they have to believe in Christ. They have to put their faith in Him. And when they do, they produce fruit. Same way for a Christian. Same way for a Jewish person that accepts Christ in this age or a 
a Jewish person in the tribulation millennium and into eternity. Okay? So God's plan for Israel is to bring them back, make them fruitful. And then three here on our list is that God's faithful few, the righteous in verse 9. These are God's prudent people. Now you'll find these people, you'll find the first two, you'll, you'll find God's plea for Israel was from Hosea's time all the way up to the end of the tribulation. You'll see God's plan for Israel, the restoring of them, really not be fulfilled until halfway through the tribulation, and even then not completely refilled or fulfilled until, uh, um, I said the tribulation. They're not completely fulfilled in the tribulation for the Jew. They're really not completely fulfilled in the millennium, and even ours. We will not completely be where God wants us to be until we hit eternity. We're not there yet, okay? And so God's going to help. Uh, he's, he's got a plan for Israel, but God has a plan for his faithful few in every dispensation. So the first two are basically from Hosea to the tribulation period, but the God, God's prudent is basically every time period from Adam, the Old Testament, New Testament, if you want to know who God is, this is the steps you've got to go through. Okay? Verse 9 says, Who is wise? So you've got to be wise. And he shall understand these things. You've got to have understanding. You've got to be prudent. And he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressor shall fall therein. That is true for everyone. Christian, Jewish, same mentality. And when you look at some of these things, you'll see that there's, there's not a lot of difference between the Jewish people and us because you've got to put your faith in the Lord. You've got to open up your mouth to do it. And it kind of reminds me of Romans 10. It says, what is it that, that you need to get saved? You've got to have a heart belief and a mouth confession. And we see that same thing here. Okay? Uh, we see it in verses 1 through 3. What would it take for the Jewish people under Hosea to get right? To open their mouth and to act on that before the Lord. How do we get saved today? By, by heart belief and, and an open mouth. Give those words back. It's, it kind of fits when you see it. Okay, And so um, there's some certain traits that you get when... When you are faithful, or, or you get, God always has His faithful few. Now, it doesn't make any difference what time period. Have you heard that before? God always has His faithful few people. Okay? I'm sure even under Hosea, when the whole nation is going down the toilet here, there's still a few people in there that are trying to obey God. Okay? No matter what the circumstance. God always has his faithful few. And this is their, quali their uh, characteristics that we're going to see in verse 9. So they have certain traits. Number one, they are wise. And then two, on your handout, says they have, you have a blank there, they have understanding. 
3 says, they are prudent. Now, what does prudent mean? I don't use prudent in my language. I probably only use 10 words in my language, but in, in, my, in my vocabulary. I'm just amazed when I hear people talk about stuff. Even Carrie, she, she watches these flower, she has these YouTube videos of ladies gardening, and then she just watches them all the time. It makes me sick. I just can't. No, she, that's the nice one. She, and she's got this lady in Oklahoma, of all places, because, you know, those people in Oklahoma are below us, you know, right? And, uh, uh, yeah, because they're below, they're actually are below Kansas. Yeah, they're south. They're like Arkansas people. We make fun of them. You know, they're not like us. You know, like I always tell everybody, you know, they can't be normal like us. You know, everybody can't. But they're Oklahoma and Arkansas people. And she's using all these big words. And I'm like, wow, I, you know, I don't use those words. And, and I just look back at myself. I'm like, I'm, I'm the hick. <laughs> okay. My vocabulary is pretty small, but it didn't make any difference. But what does prudent mean? It means to be and to act. It's in your notes. Intelligent. Okay? Intelligent. That's what it means. When somebody says, uh, um, that person is a, you know, uh, I'll just use Brian. Brian Hedges is a prudent person. And you go, okay, I, I got to go home and look that up. You know, what does that mean? I'm, I'm assuming that's a good thing. You know, you know, they, somebody tells me, you're a prudent person. I'd probably want to smack them. But <laughs> what does that mean? It means to act and to be intelligent. Well, where do you get intelligence? You don't get it unless you have this book. Okay. Turn over in your Bible to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 and 2. Okay. Proverbs chapter 1. But we're going to be going, I think I'm going to actually be going to chapter 2. So Proverbs is a good book, right? It's a wisdom book. I'll just throw a few things out here. Number one, let me give you, there are nine reasons that Proverbs was written. So I'll just throw these out here. I don't, want you, I don't expect you to catch all these. I'm just trying to get to the point where I want to get to. Nine reasons that Proverbs was written. Number one is to know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive instruction of wisdom for justice, for judgment equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to give the young men knowledge and discretion to use knowledge. So Solomon in the book of Proverbs defines what a wise man is. It says that a wise man inherits glory in 335. He wins souls in chapter 1130. He receives commandments in chapter 10.8. He hearkens unto counsel, chapter 12.5. He guards his tongue, 29.11. He seeks knowledge. He disperses knowledge. He fears and departs from evil, and he lays up knowledge. So Solomon really lays out what a wise, wise man is, but he also defines a fool in Proverbs. So he defines a fool as, number one, that he despises wisdom. He mocks sin. He meddles in other people's business. He slanders. He imitates a dog eating his own vomit. It just gets better and better, doesn't it? He enjoys doing mischief. He trusts his own heart. So if you want to learn wisdom and understanding, go to the book of Proverbs and start reading it. So chapter 2, this is where I wanted to get. Because we're talking about these, the faithful few, the prudent. Even in, in Hosea's time, there are a few. 
that are prudent and that are wise. But where are they getting it? They're getting it from the Lord. They're getting it from doing what, what's right. So chapter 2, and let me just read this. It says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandment with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures. What's the next word in verse 5? Then. Then. Okay, so, you've got to do this to get that. Okay, he says, my son, if thou would receive my words, hide my commandments, so that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and lifteth up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, after that, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Number one, you want to be wise and have understanding and know truth? You've got to seek for it. You've got to know where to go. You've got to go to the Bible. So there are seven things here that you've got to do to get understanding. Okay, You've got to receive God's words. Interesting. We can receive God's words right here. You gotta know His word. You gotta hide His commandments. You gotta incline your ear. You gotta apply in thine heart and you need to Christ after it. And you need to seek it as silver and search it like a treasure. And then God will give you wisdom. And what does wisdom mean? I have a definition here. Seeing things as God sees them. And out of His mouth, knowledge and understanding. You do all that, God's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you understanding. He's going to protect you. He's going to lay up wisdom for us by the Holy Spirit. He's going to keep our path right. He's going to preserve uh, the way of His saints. And then we shall understand righteousness. So God's faithful few in every time period have these traits, have wisdom, they have understanding. You know why? Because they've already did step number one. They've already turned into the Lord. They've already opened their mouth. They've already repented. And then they've already seeked God's wisdom. And when you do, God gives you understanding. He gives you wisdom. He gives you the knowledge that you need to live your life. Without that, you're not going to have it. You're not going to have it. That's why when you see people like, like, uh, you know, like Joe Sparks in our church, old man, lived. I mean, I, he told me his his uh, testimony. He didn't get saved till he was fifty something. Yeah. Used to drink himself. I mean, was a drunkard almost. Yeah. He gets saved. He lives the rest of his life, and then. God started to use him, but you know what? That man had some wisdom. You know, that's there's there's no not 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 every person has wisdom, but if you love God and you live your life for God, you're going to collect the wisdom and understanding that God wants you to have. And it takes us all. The, the thing is, it takes us our whole life to get there. How many things? How many of you are at a point now? I wish I knew what I know now, fifty years ago. 
Even on silly things, it would help us out, right? Even on financial things, it would help us out, you know? We'd know what, you know, what to invest our money in, and, you know, what to do for this, you know, what to, you know, which cars we should have bought. I mean, everything in our life. But yet, think about that on a spiritual realm. Think about that on a spiritual realm. And yet, so God's plea for the, for the people in Hosea was to return to Him because He had us a plan for them. And, and when we apply that to our life, when we go to Him and, and return to Him, number one, when we get saved and give Him our life and search Him out, then He has a plan for our life. Way better than we've ever expected. And it won't fully be put in force until we get to heaven. And I don't even know what He has in store for us there. All I know is it's going to be so much better than we have here. You can't. We can't even imagine it. You know, there was a song about that, wasn't it? I can only imagine. But then God has His faithful few. So again, the book of Hosea, and I, and again, I may go back next week and just kind of sum the whole book up. Is we have a heavenly Father that is calling out to His children, "Come back to Me, because I have so much I want to give you." But when you do your own thing, you reap what you sow. And some of us have children that are kind of like that. I've just kind of went wayward. And you know what? I can't change them. God can't change us. He gives us all free will. And so I have to just realize I'm a son. And, you know, I always look at some of my kids or other kids and I'm like, man, that kid, you know, that kid needs a, a swift kick in the rear end. And you guys probably don't think that. But I'm like... How many times do I need that? Yeah. So the only thing when 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 I do put God's word in my heart and when I seek it, when I when I put it in my mouth and when I put it in action, he's going to help me. He's going to give me these traits which are wise and understanding. And all the traits we see in the New Testament in the book of Galatians, all those the fruit of the spirit, that's God's traits. And the only reason we get them in our life is because we put His Word in our life. And when we put God's Word in our life, we get the traits. So we have to diligently seek for it. That's why I like that, that uh, chapter 2 of Proverbs. You've got to do this. You got to, and I'm one of those guys. You've got to do this. Then if you do this, this, and this, then this is what's going to happen. It's real simple. That's what's laid out in chapter chapter two. You want to get wisdom and understanding, then you got to look at God's words. You got to put it in your heart. You got to you got to go through the steps, and then God gives you understanding, and He gives you certain traits. He He helps you to be wise, and He helps you to be intelligent and act on that. And helps you to be prudent. He gives you discernment, and right now we need discernment. Because there is some stuff going on all, all over the place, and we need to be praying on a daily basis for God to give us wisdom and discernment. You know, I'm 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 doing things. You know, as as a father or as a husband of the house, you want to do things to help protect the family or protect your wife. You want to do things that you know, if you pass away, they are they there's they have what they need. Well, what happens if our country goes this direction or the economy goes down or this happens or that happens? Are you protecting your family? 
we need to be doing those steps. And so uh, even now, I'm like, okay, so you know, what can we do to do that? With all the things going on, number one, make sure make sure you're living your life for the Lord. But in, until the rapture happens, we may go through some downtimes. So we need to be prepared for some of that stuff. There are some people out there that are prepping for the end of the world, thinking they're going to get through it that way. It ain't going to help them get through it. it may help them along the way, but it ain't going to help them to get through it. Okay. So, talking about that, you know, with the technology nowadays, people think they can hide for these uh, time, you know, and they can find them, they'll find them anymore, you know, and that, and that doesn't save you anyway. It's just maybe saves your physical life for a short time, but spiritually is what you got. Right, spiritually, I mean, we it doesn't hurt to be prepared for things I mean, yeah, physically, kind of, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, it, we need we, to be prepared spiritually. We already see some shortages in the stores, you know, for mm-hmm. food and whatever. So it would be wise to, you know, do some, would some be w- planning for that. It would be wise to have some food, yeah, you know, in the basement stores. just to help you, things that you use anyway. Yeah. So uh, it would be wise to, you know, have some extra gas in the garage. Be wise to, you know, all those things. I think about those things. And, um, but yet, that's just temporary. Mm-hmm. We need to really be focused on what God wants us. But God always has His faithful few. So you just got to find those people and hang out with them and hope it rubs off on you. But how it really rubs off is when you put God's words in your heart and when you put them to force. Okay. So next week, again, I'll wrap up the book of Hosea and we'll move on to a different book and uh, go from there. And uh, it's kind of neat how God's going to restore Israel and give them all those things. And yet when we look at it, he's already given them to the church right now. But he's going to give them to Israel also. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you for this Bible that we have that that shows us, number one, how we can be right with you. So we thank you for our salvation that you've given to us. And I just pray, Lord, that not only that we uh, realize that, but that we put our trust in that and we put our trust in you and that uh, we just share the gospel with other people so they can also have that same hope that we have, that same uh, truth that we have and, and actually have the understanding that we have because you've given it to us through your words. We pray for that. Uh, we just pray that you'd give us the uh, uh, people around us that the open doors that we need to, to, to give that out and just help us to always be looking for you for answers and direction and discretion and, and uh, um, discernment. And help us to put our, our trust in you. Help us to put it in our lips and then help us to live it out in our lives. So we pray for that and ask your blessing upon today in Christ's name. Amen.